last week, we started a, a series entitled, You Make Me Crazy. Now, all of us have people in our lives that we can attribute that statement to. You make me crazy. Whether it's in our family and, or whether it's at work or in our neighborhood or school, there's just some folks that, that, that just kind of drive us to the brink of insanity, don't they? And so we're talking about, in this series, how we can better relate to the crazy makers in our life and how we can be, as believers in Christ, agents of healing in their life and in our relationship together. Now, remember, a key point that I shared last week is that that 90% of fixing the crazy maker relationships in our life rests with, with you, rests with me. You know why? Because we can't change anybody else. That's been proven time and time. You cannot change somebody else. The only thing you can do is you can change yourself. You can approach them in different ways that will bring a different result. And so we're working on ourselves as well as working on others. And through this series, we're going to get real practical. Today's going to be a very practical message on how you can reach out to a crazy maker. Now, last week, we started with the question that we have to start in this series. And the question is, am I the crazy maker? How about that, right? Maybe the reason so many of your relationships are in chaos is because you're the crazy maker. You're the one making everyone else go crazy. And that's a distinct possibility. So last week, we looked at six things that wise people never violate in their relationships as given to us by God through James, the half-brother of Jesus, in James chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Now, I don't have time to, to, to review that message from last week, but I will tell you this, that I can't tell you how many people came up and said that that message really spoke deeply to them. And so I'm going to encourage you to listen to that message if you missed it last week. You can do that in one of several ways. You can go back after the service and get a CD from last week's uh, service. You can go online, and our website is up here, www.floridabible.org. And then when you come to the homepage, hit Media Resources up in the top right-hand corner, and it'll take you to where you can listen to it online. You can download it on your iPod. But let me encourage you to listen to the message because it really is a wake-up call, and so many people... Uh, gave me feedback that it was very, very helpful to them. Now, today I want to give you another key. Last week it was 90% of fixing these things is going to rest with us. Second key is there's a reason that a crazy maker's a crazy maker. Did you get that? You might want to write that down. There's a reason that a crazy maker is a crazy maker. You know, God didn't get one day and, and just start creating us differently and say, I'm going to make you a great athlete, and I'm going to make you a really intelligent person, I'm going to make you really beautiful, and, and you're going to be a crazy maker. That doesn't how that happened. There are life circumstances that produce crazy makers. There's a reason. Now, I think that one reason is potentially the biggest reason that people become crazy makers. And Jesus himself introduces us to this idea, this possibility, as recorded in the very first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is approached by an expert in the Hebrew law. And he says to Jesus, in Matthew 22, verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, came to him and said, Master, teacher, what's the greatest of all the commandments? They had a lot of commandments. There were over 600 of them. And so he said, what's the greatest of them all? And of course, Jesus immediately said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. But then he immediately goes on to say, and the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then he says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in other words, if you want to focus in on religious rules and regulations and all that, he says, everything falls on two things. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. If you want to be pleasing to God and you're trying to figure out how to do that, Jesus gives it to us right here. Love God, love others. Now later, right before he's betrayed and crucified, Jesus amplifies this second area. As recorded by another one of the original disciples of Jesus named John. In his gospel, which is the fourth book of the New Testament, he says this in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says this, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now look what he says. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. Now think about this. Jesus could have chosen anything to be the characterizing, the distinguishing mark of what Christianity was to become. He could have said, by your zealousness, by your fanatical dedication to me, all are going to know that you're my disciples. Or by your ability to quote a thousand scriptures, everyone's going to know you're my disciple. Or by your willingness to sacrifice all your possessions, by that all people are going to know you're my disciple. By your, your ardent evangelism. But he doesn't say that. He could have chosen anything. But he chooses love. He said the most important thing, the thing that will distinguish you as followers of me over everything else is the degree of love that you have for each other. Now, why did he choose love? Well, I believe because Jesus as God, the creator of man, understood that possibly man's greatest need emotionally and psychologically and even leads into physically is love. You know, in fact, the mental health community has proved that to be true. In a book review of Dr. Arthur Janus' book, the, the Biology of Love, the reviewer says this, drawing on years of experience with thousands of patients and a growing body of evidence in neurophysiology, human biology, and psychology, Dr. Janus shows how love, or the lack of it, affects not only our sense of psychological well-being, but our physical health, and our what? Personalities as well. Now, now look how important this is. Janoff's central thesis is that pre-birth experience and a traumatic birth are imprinted into our nervous system. It becomes a physical thing when love is absent. He goes on to say, resulting in the psychological and the psychosomatic diseases of later life. Now look what he says. After birth, when the infant needs to feel loving caresses, lack of love can be as injurious as lack of oxygen. We all know what happens when a baby's born and the umbilical cord gets wrapped around the baby's throat and, and what, a, what a stressful situation and, and the dire consequences that can come if they don't correct that problem immediately. Well, Dr. Janus says, a lack of love, even after the baby's born, a failure to caress that baby and to love that baby and coddle that baby and coo to that baby and sing to that baby, that can be as dangerous, that can be as destructive to that baby as a lack of oxygen at birth. 
Now, every man and woman, this plays out in throughout our entire life. And if it's not addressed, if that need is not met, it can produce unimaginable consequences. Writing for Psychiatry Today, Dr. Willem Martins, in an article that he entitled an op-ed, Hidden Suffering of the Psychopath, he says this, psychopaths can suffer emotional pain for a variety of reasons. Now look what he says. Like anyone else, psychopaths have a deep wish to be loved and cared for. Dahmer, American serial killer, and Nielsen, a British serial killer, have stated that they killed simply for company. Both men had no friends, and their only social contacts were occasional encounters in bar. Nielsen, the British serial killer, watched TV and talked for hours with the people he had murdered. See, a starvation... So, so what is Jesus' words and, and what, what, what does the healthcare community's discoveries teach us? Teach us this. The crazy maker in your life may just be starved for love. That may be the fundamental reason. They may be just starved for love. Now today... In a very practical way, what I want to share with you is how to reach out to the loveless crazy maker. And if someone is a crazy maker in your life, let me encourage you to start at this point in trying to build a healthier relationship. Start with the idea that that person may indeed be starved for love. So how do we do this? Here's the key. Write this down. If we're going to try to be loving to this person, we must express love in a way that makes the person feel loved. You know, we, we can be, and this is a big problem in many relationships. This is a huge problem in a lot of marriages. One spouse or the other thinks that they're saying, I love you in a, in a hundred different ways, and I'm, I'm telling you I love you all the time, and the other spouse feels totally unloved. See, the reason is because we're often expressing our love to somebody in a way that they don't receive love. We're, but we, if we want to be effective in our intimate relationships and especially in our crazy maker relationships, what we have to do is we have to express love in a way that they receive love. Now, we have a lot of help that came from a Christian psychologist named Dr. Jerry, or Gary Chapman. He wrote a groundbreaking work several years back that is an amazing work, and I would recommend all of you get it and read it. It's called The Five Love Languages. And there's an adult version. There's even a version for children. So for your children and for your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews and, and, and your friends. Dr. Chapman, through interviewing thousands and thousands of people, discovered that there are five primary languages that people love and receive love out of. Now, what we can do is use what he has discovered to tap into the crazy makers in our life who may be crazy makers because they're starved for love. And we can discover then a way to bring healing to them in a language of love that they accept and receive and they desperately seek. So what are these love languages? You ready to go? We're going to have to go quick. Number one, words of affirmation. 
Words of affirmation. You've all heard this, the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Is that true? No, it's not true. That's something some mother made up to try to make her little child who's getting abused emotionally on a playground feel better about it. Sticks and stones. My mom used to say to me, sticks and stones may break my bones, but yes, they do hurt. They can hurt deeply, can't they? Dr. Anna Terue, a Dutch psychiatrist, in talking about emotional deprivation disorder, says this. Emotional deprivation disorder is a syndrome which results from a lack of authentic affirmation and emotional strengthening in one's life. A person may have been criticized, ignored, neglected, abused, or emotionally rejected by primary caregivers in their early life, resulting in that individual's stunted emotional growth. How, how many of you would agree that probably a crazy maker has stunted emotional growth, huh? Now, look what it goes on to say. Unaffirmed people are incapable of developing into emotionally mature adults until they receive what? Authentic affirmation from another person. See, the reason that crazy maker may be a crazy maker is because their love language is words of affirmation and they're not getting any affirmation. They've never received any affirmation. And then we wonder why they've not developed emotionally, why they're so angry, why they're so mad, why they throw tyrants, or why they're so isolated, or why it's so hard to know, why they're so critical, whatever. See, the reason may be that they're not getting this basic human need of words of affirmation. What this really is is acknowledging or recognizing somebody for doing something well or some, doing something nice for you, actually recognizing it. Do you realize, and you probably do because you probably have this happen to you all the time, you'll go out and you'll extend yourself to somebody and you'll try to be nice and, you'll try, and you get nothing back, nothing back. See, it's so common. Compliments. If this is a person's love line, just a simple compliment can change their disposition for the day. Now, remember, everything, when we talk about this, what's the key word? Authentic. You know, you can't say, wow, you know, you really look fit, and they're obviously 100 pounds overweight, you know? That's not going to wash, and they're going to see right through that. But compliments, and be careful not to make them all physical compliments. We live in this crazy world, especially for women, where all these airbrushed models on magazines and TV and all that, and they, women falsely think that that's what beauty is all about. But more importantly than the exterior is the interior, isn't it? And so when we compliment, compliment on character traits, compliment on skills, but compliments are very powerful to people whose primary love language is words of affirmation. Then, then there's encouragement. So many of these people, now think about this, this is, person, this is their primary love language, they're walking around having this need unfulfilled, and, and they're probably not getting encouraged anywhere. See, encourage them. They're having a hard time. Encourage them. And don't patronize them. Don't say, oh, come on, this will pass too. You're, you're putting so much attention on that. Don't worry about it. No, just encourage them. Sit down and encourage them. As believers, one way that we encourage people is to sit down with them and pray with them, isn't it? We take them by the hands or put our, 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 our arm around their shoulder, and we say, come on, right now, let's pray about it. After church, so often people will come up, and, and they'll say, pray for me, and I'll say, let's just do it right now. And, and we'll just pray right there. And, and you can see the transformation that God brings about. Then there's kind words. Now think about this. Crazy makers usually aren't hearing a lot of kind words, are they? 
Because if a crazy maker is a crazy maker in your life, they're probably a crazy maker in other people's lives also. And so they're walking around causing all this chaos and all this craziness, and really, they're love starved, and their primary love language is words of affirmation, and they're not going to get them. Why? Because everyone, as soon as they see them, they're coming and going, oh, no, man, here comes Bill. Oh, man, here comes, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? You know, grab the phone, pretend you're on it, you know. Yeah, they're not getting it. See, and, and so this lack of the sense of love is deeper driven down, and they are deeper driven down into their insecurity, into their, their irritability, their anger, their sense of disconnect. Praise. It's so important to praise them. And, and when you start praising them, you, you, you can tell, well, Bill, I got work. Yeah, you did a great job on that project. I was amazed at how you were able to turn that thing around. You, know, you praise them. And boy, if this is their primary language, you'll, you'll just see them perk up. Praise kids. Praise, praise your spouse. How about that? Proverbs 18.21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, what we say has the power of life or death in somebody's life. And if we make it and we choose to make our tongue the power of life, then what's going to happen? We'll see, we'll eat its fruit because when we are positive people, when we are affirming people, especially with those whose primary love language is affirmation, they are going to flock to us. Why? Because we are filling that need in them. We will have a place of influence in their life and we will build a relationship that is mutually enjoyable and purposeful and satisfying. Words of affirmation. Dr. Chapman says this in his book, if you're, and he says spouse here, I, I inserted crazy maker because of the context where we're at. If your crazy maker's love language is words of affirmation, your spoken praise and appreciation will fall like rain on parched soil. What a beautiful image that is, huh? What a powerful image. You get dry ground, all of a sudden it starts raining, that ground just soaks it right up. He says, before long you'll see new life sprouting up in your relationships. Got a crazy maker? Test the water, see if their love language is affirmation. Another love language is quality time. For some people, love is spelled, not L-O-V-E, it's spelled T-I-M-E. It's spelled time. That's their love language. Now understand that there is a difference between quantity time and quality time. There's a huge difference, and knowing the difference and embracing the difference is critical in bringing love to that crazy maker who is love starved, whose primary love gift is quality time. See, quantity time is you put in the time, you're, you're in the same room, but it's almost like not being there. And how often do we do that as couples, right? We're sitting in a room together, but there's really nothing going on. One person's watching TV and flicking through the channels, and the other one's reading a book and flipping through a magazine, and we're there, can be there for three, four hours together, but there's nothing going on. Well, you know, sometimes we all need a little respite and, and a rest, and so I'm not saying that's always bad. But just think about it. If the person's primary love language is quality time and there's nothing going on, then what's there nothing really going on? There's no love going on. That's the problem. And that person begins to feel more and more detached and isolated. Now, quality time is taking the time to find out what matters to the other person. And not, here's the key. And not being distracted by other things when you're with them. 
I talked just after a service here in the last couple of weeks to a father who came to me after and said, and said I, I, I really need to spend more time with my, my kids, especially my teenage son, but I'm working so much. I'm working six days a week, and, and I just don't have a lot of time, and, and I don't know what to do. And, and see, now this is perfect. If, that, if those children, if that child especially, whose primary love language is quality time, it's not about how much time. It's about the quality of the time that you're together. Here's the bottom line. It equals fullness of presence. It means that you're really there. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours with a person whose primary love language is quality time. It's just a matter of, is the time that you do spend together quality time? Are you fully there? Are you listening intently? Is there eye contact? Or are you kind of do, multitasking and you're doing other things and you're, you're, you're answering uh, texts and emails and stuff and, and, and you're, you're trying to be with the person? Well, some people, that wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter to me. My love gift is in quality time. It wouldn't bother me at all. But a person whose love gift is quality time, all of that is rejection. And rejection hurts deeply. Asking questions to show interest. We can be so closed-ended in our communication What's closed-ended communication? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's good. Very nice. Yeah, great. Oh, that's great. I'm happy for you. None of that solicits more interaction. Open-ended communication is, well, what do you mean by that? Well, how, what made you feel that way? Well, how did that go? Tell me what happened. Well, what did that do for you? See, you're asking questions, and what does that do? That stimulates more conversation. And to a person whose primary love gift is quality time, it's, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It's like giving bacon to a dog. They are excited because they know you are present. You might only have 30 minutes to be present, but you, for that 30 minutes, are totally focused on them. It's togetherness. It's doing something together that is meaningful to them. Jesus spent quality time with some of the most unlikely candidates. His 12 disciples were social outcasts. They were the bottom strata of society. He spent three years with them. He, he was with the, the, the woman at the well who was an adulteress and, and who, who, was, who, who was not a friend of Jewish people, and he spent quality time, not a long time, but quality time. He asked Zacchaeus to, that he could come over into Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was one of the most hated people in all the land. And Jesus said, I want to go to your house. See? I believe Jesus knew maybe that their love language was quality time. Gift giving is another one. Gift giving. Gifts are physical reminders of love. Some people, a gift in the hand. They just look at that and they say, he loves me. She loves me. They, 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 they really like me. See, gifts are physical expressions of thoughtfulness. Today, on the way to church, I came really early and I, I stopped by Publix to get some cream because uh, I was going to make a cup of coffee. And, and, and I went in there, and, and Publix was like an anthill this morning. All these dads were coming out, carrying a little pot of flowers. Little kids in pajamas are behind them. 
that's okay. Well, it's not really okay. <laughs> but it's especially damaging to someone whose primary love language is gift giving. See, there are three things that make a great gift to a person whose primary love language is receiving love through gift. Number one, it's personal. It's something that they really want. It's something that really interests them. It's something that pleases them. It's just not random. It's not running in, grabbing the first thing off the shelf, running for the thing, and, and, and hey, here you are. I love you. A wrench, really? A hydraulic jack, yeah, I need that, okay. It's personal. It's thoughtful. So, say a, a lot of those, you know, don't you know that a lot of those moms sitting at home and, and, and they hear dad run out, kids are still in the pajamas. Number one, they're embarrassed to death because the kids are in pajamas. They're probably dirty pajamas, throw up on them. Who knows what else might be on those pajamas. And he's taking them out in public and he's out there in a pair of gym shorts and a t-shirt and sandals. And, he's, you know. and they come back, happy Mother's Day. See, there's no thought in that. It's all last minute. To a person whose primary love language is gift-giving, that's like a slap. Jesus commended the Philippian believers for their thoughtfulness. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. What he was saying, he's saying, all these churches I've gone and started, all the people that I brought the gospel, the saving gospel, changed their eternal state. All these different churches, these people, and you're the only one who stopped to send me a gift. He's saying, he was commending them, and he was sharing with them how thoughtful. Maybe Paul's gift, his love language was gift-giving. It's generous. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean expensive. Don't, don't confuse that, because I know some of you are saying, well, you know, I'm on a tight budget. I don't have a lot of money, and we're, you know, we, don't, we don't have extra money for stuff. It, it can be generous in time. It can be generous in the fact that, that you made it with your own hands. You didn't just go out and grab something off the shelf. See, but, but, but a gift that means something to somebody whose primary love language is gift giving is personal. It's something that they really, truly are interested in. It's thoughtful. It demonstrates thought, forethought, foreaction, planning, sacrifice. It's generous. Just like God was with us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He didn't send an angel. He, he, he didn't send another scroll, another tablet, another prophet. He sent his only son to die on the cross. And what's that verse say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes on him will never perish, but have eternal life. Now that's a thoughtful, personal, generous gift. Amen? Amen. Gifts communicate thoughtful love. I love this old Nigerian 
proverb that says this. It is the heart that gives. The fingers just let it go. Isn't that powerful? It's the heart that gives. The fingers, they, they just let go. Acts of service, another important love language that you can use to see maybe if you can start building a better relationship with a crazy maker in your life. The key is, helpful acts are seen as very powerful expressions of love and devotions. To some people, doing something for them is the way that they receive love. John 13.1, Jesus used this love language on the very last night of his life before going to the cross. He was in the upper room, and you know, we have communion. But another thing that happened in that upper room that night is recorded in John chapter 13, verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. In other words, he wanted to demonstrate how much he loved them in a very dramatic way. And he's going to do it through an act of service. And so what happens, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. See, the whole purpose, he says, I want them to know how much I love them. The degree, the sincerity the intimacy of my love. And so I am going to perform this very humbling act of service. I am the Savior. I'm the Messiah. But I'm going to leave the table. And I'm going to wash their dirty, stinking, dusty feet. Now, we see, if you'd read on that passage, the response of the disciples, and they are blown away. Spouses, family, maybe, maybe it's something as simple as clean the kitchen or the bathroom. Guys, you know your, your wife absolutely hates to clean the kitchen or she hates to clean the bathroom. Well, go do it. Her, if her love language is act of service, that's a way to say I love you in a way that will mean something to her. Maybe cook a special meal that he likes. You know, he, he really likes chili or he really likes enchiladas or he really likes steak. or he, You know, well, fix that special meal. It can be something like drop your spouse off at the door when it's raining, guys. You know, be courteous. Open the car doors for your wife. Get the chair for her. You know, those are old-fashioned things that still make a difference, that still communicate love. Go to the grocery store and buy items that you know they love and bring them home and say, hey, I brought you home a treat. Stella does that for all the time. Well, boy, she brought me a good one the other day. Wow. But anyhow... Acts of service. Now, maybe you're at the office or something like that. You're in a a non-intimate relationship. Fix things that the other can't fix. You see somebody over there struggling at the copier machine. It's not working. They're pounding on it, and they're all frustrated and everything. And and you know the problem. Well, instead of saying, hey, how you doing, Joe? You know, walking by, go over and say, hey, let me take care of that for you. See, in, in stopping, if their love language is acts of service, not only have you helped them in the tasks they're doing, but now you've communicated that they're special to you. It could be a thing like buy or make them lunch. Take, take lunch one day and say, hey, you know, I know we're working hard and it's going to be a busy day. And, and so I stopped by and got lunch and I got you lunch too. See, then, wow, you got me lunch. That's like this huge act of love. 
It'd be something like finish up the reports of the records that the person's working on because they're trying to get out and, you know, they're going on vacation or they got a special night planned out or something like that. And they're, they're having to stay late because of all this stuff. And say, hey, listen, give that stuff to me. I'm going to do that for you tonight. I'll take care of it for you. you. You go ahead and leave. See, acts of service. There can be a thousand different things. But it's any act that they will receive as an expression of love and devotion. Now, if you suspect that somebody you're trying to reach out to, and not necessarily just a crazy maker, and you suspect that maybe their love language is acts of service, then just be open. Ask them. And you, you don't have to say, okay, you know, here's a pencil of paper. Now, I'm going to love you out of your love language, so tell me what you love. You know, write it down. Don't do that. And you know, just kind of sitting around having a cup of coffee and say, hey, you know, I was thinking the other day of what made me, you know, what makes you feel loved? You know? and, and they'll start telling you. Now, if it's your love language, then don't play games about it, especially with your spouse or your kids or if you're a parent or your children. You know, you ask them, just say, hey, you know, what kinds of things make you feel loved by me? And, and let them respond. And do respond. Tell them so that it's not some kind of a game. They've got a guess and they've gone out and, and they've done this and they've done that and, and, and you're not reacting to it and you're frustrated and they're frustrated and the whole thing stops right there. And the crazy making starts all over again. Here's the key, though. Each act is done with a, spot, a positive spirit and without any expectation or intent or manipulation of getting something out of that person in return. Finally, there's physical touch. Physical touch is another powerful love language. Now think about this. Almost instinctively, in a time of crisis, what do we do? We hug, don't we? You saw 9-11, the Twin Towers going down. You saw people, strangers, just embracing each other, hugging each other. Why? Because that physical touch is such a powerful demonstration of acceptance and love. Gary Chapman says this, Touches may be explicit and call for your full attention, such as a back rub or sexual foreplay, they can be implicit and require only a movement such as putting your hand on someone's shoulder as you pour a cup of coffee. He said, it's, it's not all about sex. It's not all about love. Because obviously, you can't respond to people with physical touches or love language in inappropriate ways. So let's talk about physical touch in a safe zone. Now we're talking about you and your spouse or you and your kids. You know, it, it can be as simple as... as just a back rub, coming up in the back and just, you know, just rubbing the shoulders a little bit. And, or, or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the back of the neck there feels really good, you know. Just touch on the shoulder, touch on the hand, touch on the leg. Now, it can develop into other things, but, but if you know that your spouse's primary love language is touch, don't manipulate them for sex. They'll see right through that, and it'll destroy that, that beautiful opportunity you have. But how about in a danger zone? We live in a culture, in a world today, where touch is really a dangerous kind of subject. I mean, you can't go around at the office hugging everybody. You know, you're a school teacher. You're taught right off the bat, do not hug and do not love the children. You're warned about that. In fact, you can get, in some places, fired for doing that. See, it's a dangerous place. Well, but what happens to all these people, all these kids whose primary love language is touching, they, they can't get love for fear of litigation, 
for fear of being accused of something that is not intended. Well, there's a lot of things you can do. When, when, when you shake a hand, for example, you know, there's a, you can just shake a hand. That's one way to shake a hand. Another way to shake a hand is put another hand on top of it, isn't it? Hey, how you doing this morning? Or, or grab an elbow, shake a hand. See? Pat on the back. Hey, how you doing today? Not a rub. A pat. See, there's a lot of ways. High five. Give me a bump. See, all those kind of seemingly innocent things. And, and you would say, well, that can't possibly communicate love to somebody whose love language is physical touch, it does. Do you realize how many people go the entire week with no physical contact with another human being? That's why we're a hugging church around here. You come in here and you're going to get hugged. You know, because we love each other. And Jesus said what? This is how people will know you're my disciples, by your love one for another. The crazy makers in your life might just be starved for love. That may be the whole thing. Now, let me challenge you here something this morning. Let me challenge you to take love to the crazy makers in your life. Let me challenge you this week to, to, to do that. You know who the crazy makers are. They might be sitting next to you right now. You know who they are. Let me challenge you. This week, take love. You say, well, how do I know which one, which, which, which one that, that's their gift? Well, if your communication is okay right now and you're having a good relationship, just ask them. Hey, you heard that message. You know, what's your love language? Which one do you respond to? Just ask them. You can talk about it. Have fun about it. Go home this afternoon and talk about it. See? But, but the other thing you can do is you can watch how they try to love other people. Because often we will try to love other people out of our love language. And that sometimes doesn't work, by the way. So you got to be careful about that. Because now, now you're, you're missing that key point. You've got to express love in a way they receive love. Because if I'm loving somebody, I'm, I'm pouring it out. I'm saying, yeah, I'm loving you, I'm loving you, I'm loving you. And that's not their love language. They're not feeling loved at all. And then your frustration level grows and the crazy making gets worse. Okay? Uh, tune into what they complain about in other relationships. That stinking husband of mine, he went away on a business trip to Europe for three, three weeks and he didn't bring me one thing back. Ooh. Tip. What's the love language? Gift giving. You know? Or, or she was gone for, for a week on a business trip and came back and just plopped down in, in a seat and read a book and, 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 we, and didn't talk to me and hardly recognized it. Ooh, key. What's the love language? Quality time. See, so you, you, can, you can be tipped off by what they complain about in their other relationships. Just trial and error is another way. But have fun with it. That's the thing. So here, here, here's our challenge this week. As we try to bring sanity, we try to bring healing to the crazy maker relationships in our life. Let's start with love. Amen? Father, help us to embrace what we've learned today. Help us. And Jesus, you were the model of all this. We, we, can, we could look at biblical example, out of biblical example, how you loved people out of every one of these love languages and how you've loved us 
individually out of every one of these love languages. God, help us to understand that we can't change other people. But we can change how we interact with other people. We can be an agent of healing. And Jesus, you told us the place to start is love. 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 Thank you for giving us an understanding of how we can do that more effectively. But now, the ball's in our court, and we have to decide to do that. God, right now, bring that crazy maker or those crazy makers to our mind. And Lord, help us prayerfully to, to think about them. Think about how they try to love other people. Think about what they complain about, not getting in other relationships. And Lord, help us to be sensitive to that and help us to set a strategy for this week to take love to the loveless crazy maker. Let us try to make a difference. Let us bring that rain to that parched soil. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.